This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy, and you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, and so I watch them so that you don't have to. We are missing Henley today, missing her dearly. Oh, oh it's devastating. If you can believe it, some, some people are sick in her household. Man, we were talking about this yesterday. I just really can't believe how often somebody is sick in her household, and I guess it's that it's winter. And it's cold there, and they have two young kids. I think this winter season has been particularly bad across yeah, the board. a lot board. of people are sick. A lot of people are sick. But, yeah, I think when you have two kids, just multiply that by two. Sickness just feels like it disproportionately affects Henley's household, specifically. And I don't like it. It's not fair, and it's not right. And I don't support it. Me neither. Me neither. This is bullshit. It's absolute it's bullshit. fucking bullshit. <laughs> Who can I complain to? <laughs> Where do I take this? God. God. You have a shepherd of the Lord in that house. So what the fuck? <laughs> it's just, it's not right. And I'm sad and we miss Henley and we hope that they all get to be 100% well so soon. Yeah. And not never get sick ever again. That's right. Fingers, fingers crossed. Oh, there's Bunk meowing again. He's been oh. doing that. Lately, also my neighbors are having a party right now, so if there's any background noise, I apologize. Yeah, one of my neighbors has been doing a thing that they do sometimes, which is play music in a way that I consider to be antagonistic. Like I do think that there's like a neighbor they're tr- they're like mad at, and every yeah. now and again, I don't know who they are because sound is super weird where our exact house is located. Mm-hmm. It's usually very late at night, but sometimes like today, it's a Sunday morning where it's like aggressively loud music. And like changing the song like too much, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way that I'm like, this is an act of aggression. Yeah. And so that's been happening, but maybe they're done now. Remember that phase where my neighbor just listened to the same like five songs from musicals over and over. It was like Chicago, Moulin Rouge, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and maybe Moana, which don't get me wrong. Love (laughs) all those movies. Yeah, I mean, but... But just over and over and over and over. It was crazy. Um, Anyways. Anyway, maybe there's sounds in the background. Maybe there's not. You be the judge. (laughs) I am very excited to talk about today's movie. We're doing our first animated horror movie today. Wow. And it's really fucking good. And if you want to jump straight to that, there's some timestamps in the episode description for you, because before we get into the recap, I got to know if anything scary happened to you this week, Emily. Uh, you know what? Honestly, not really. But I am going to say a lot of people reached out about people who have been rude to them about their hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wow, so many people are so rude about people's hair. It's just fascinating it's crazy it's fascinating it's madness it's, it's madness the stories i have heard uh, the uh, fuck people who are rude to people strangers friends anybody you just can't do it and to, to all of you who it has happened to i am sorry yeah and i am with you and thank you for the support. i stand with you i stand with you and 
it's just simply unacceptable and we won't accept it. We won't accept it. I also want to say that we did get a lot of emails from beekeepers and I wanted to say thank you for those mm, as well. Thank you, beekeepers. Yes. And someone said you can wash a bee. And so I'm pretty <gasps> confused because oh, wow. I looked up how to do it and I couldn't find it, but you know, okay. do your own, do your own research. But yeah. thank you to all the and beekeepers you know. out there for, for your kind words. <laughs> thank you, beekeepers. Um, but I mean, no, it's been... I mean, I'll I'll say that all I'm thinking about is in the times that I'm not at work is like wedding stuff. And it's just so crazy. Planning a wedding is just madness, especially even if you're doing it like really small. It's just like there's so many little fucking things you have to do and all of it's expensive. And it's just yeah, it's just wild. I'm so thrilled to be doing it. We don't like here's the thing. It's like it's totally optional. (laughs) Nobody has to get married. Nobody has to have a wedding. Uh-huh. So we're choosing to do this. We've brought it upon ourselves and it will be wonderful. And I'm very excited. And also uh, it's, it's my brain work. is just like it's a lot of work. So that's kind of all that I'm doing and thinking about, which I suppose is, is scary. But one just little moment that happened this week that was kind of scary for us is Joel and I were sitting on the couch watching TV as we do every evening. And we hear the unmistakable sounds of a cat or an animal puking. Oh, boy. And we're like, okay, here we go. Who is it? And we look around us and we see one, two, three, four cats in the room with us. With their mouths closed. Mouths closed. (laughs) Not a bit, not a bout of nausea in sight. Mm -hmm. And then Theo runs over to the window and starts looking out the window. And we're like, some fucking creature came into our yard to puke. Uh, Did you get a look at the, the culprit? I didn't. I couldn't bring myself to get up, but uh, it's a comfy couch. It, it was really comfortable, but it just was so like we're so primed to be like to know those sounds and the fact that it was coming from outside the house. The was calls just, coming from outside. The calls the house. coming from outside the house, which is just <laughs> not what you not, expect. <laughs> it's not what you expect. And as much as I don't want the call to be coming from inside the house, I also don't want the call to be coming from outside the house. No. We're not taking calls right now. I mean, the line is closed. I don't think it was convict because we we lock our little gate because when she comes up to our door, our cats get really f- frantic, and I, and I just don't think she's like uh, of a of a body to to jump over the fence yeah. these days. So I don't think it was convict. Joel was like, "I bet it's a skunk," which I just think is so funny. I like, know, why would I've, it be a skunk? I've never pictured a skunk throwing up, but I presume but I they do. Yeah. So like we get skunks in our yard, we get possums in our yard. And he was like, it's probably a skunk or a possum, (laughs) which is pretty funny to think about. And I guess we'll never know, but pretty surprising. You got to get an outdoor camera now. If this I do, I got to say, I love your indoor indoor cameras and I wouldn't mind getting, I I get why people like freaking camera their whole place and it's not. I don't it's not for protection. It's because I want to be able to know what's going on yep. everywhere all the time with everyone. I want to see what my cats are up to at every moment. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite show. Yeah. It's my, oh, my, my favorite show's on. My, oh my, God, my favorite show's on. <laughs> it's a new episode. There, It's a lot like last episode, but it <laughs> is technically new. When when we were at Madonna Inn over New Year's. One morning in bed, Joel and I are both up and we're on our phones and, and I'm watching the cats and I look over at him and he is watching the cats and we're just like <laughs> simultaneously looking at what our cats are doing while we're on vacation. Yep. 
That sounds about right. It's a real treat. Um, well, Sammy, did anything scary happen to you this week? You know, similarly, I mean, I guess not similarly to a wedding, but my brain has been pretty occupied by one thing, which is watching movies. I, mm-hmm, as you mm-hmm. know, make my top 10 list every year. And yes. because the Oscar nominations just came out, I've just been like focused on movie watching, movie watching, movie watching. So I similarly just had one scary event happen, which is that I got a little too high again. (laughs) Oh no. I hate that feeling. Not quite as high as, you know, 25 milligrams. I had 10 milligrams and it was, it was a little much. 10 is a lot. Yeah. And they're sleepy time gummies and it's 10 is one serving. And I was, I, I started small and it was, um, I I just, I was pushing the limits. This was, this was an educated, uh, mistake (laughs) (laughs) and you know how when you're a little too high you kind of have auditory hallucinations as you're falling asleep i basically can hear anything i want to hear if i'm too high now that's interesting and so like someone can hear anything i want to hear (laughs) Mm, i guess with the asterisk that there has to be a noise that I can translate to be anything, I guess is more what I I'm see. saying. Like someone walking outside could be like gunshots. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had a moment where my upstairs neighbor, I'm, I'm laying in bed. I'm trying to fall asleep. I'm too high to sleep, but I'm yeah. trying my hardest. <laughs> Feels counter to the sleep gummies, but yeah, I know what you that's mean. What, I mean, that's what, that's what happened. So I, I'm doing half doses now, but anyway, so my upstairs neighbor got out of bed and I, it's, I hear basically, I can hear when he's snoring, like the, I can hear every yeah. move he makes. Yeah. And, uh, he got out of bed and it was kind of loud and I perceived it as the whole apartment shaking. And I thought it was the hugest earthquake that had ever happened. Oh, and I had no. a, a moment of like true terror where it feels like all the blood drains out of your whole body. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was just like, I'm about to die and I couldn't move. And I was so scared (laughs) and it only lasted probably a couple seconds, but, Uh and then I was like, Oh no, my neighbor is just getting out of bed. (laughs) Uh uh (laughs) But I was so scared. You know, I'm scared of earthquakes. I spend a disproportionate amount of time thinking about earthquakes. There was, there was an earthquake the other day. Did you feel it? I didn't feel it. But I did see that there was one. Yeah. I, it was, it was fine. It was a small one, but yeah, I'm very four, scared. Four, of, it was a four, four something. It's just not nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt it. Yeah. But nothing fell over or anything. Everyone, yeah, yeah. everything is fine. Yeah. So that was kind of scary, <laughs> but it was a false alarm. Thank God. It's so crazy. I, I'm trying to think of the last time that happened to me where you like in an instant, you think something is ha- or like that feeling of like immediate intense fear mm-hmm. that then is like, then you're like, Oh, I'm okay. Like, like you think like, I feel like I like you turn around and you think you see someone in your house or something and you're yeah, like, yeah. Immediately like <gasps> and like every, and then it's, and then it's fine. But it's Fear is crazy. Yeah. Well, the thing that was a little disturbing about it was that I, it, I feel like it fully immobilized me, which is like, you know, fighter, flight or freeze. And I'm, I know that I'm a freezer. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I know that about myself, but okay. I feel like when people like fight or flight or, or freeze, right. I feel like of those three options, everybody thinks 
okay, fight's the best one, right? You'd want to, you want to fight. But imagine if your immediate response to fear, even those little ones that aren't real, was fight. Like that seems bad. You know, you get scared, and you your immediate bodily response is to like fight whatever's happening. Let's calm down. Like let's assess the situation. What would I have done if my response was fight in that in this particular situation? <laughs> jump out of bed and start like get into get a weapon probably i should have a weapon by my bed i'm surprised i don't given the nature of our podcast where do you think your closest weapon is um the kitchen yeah i think about a knife in the kitchen but i've been considering buying a fire poker without a fireplace but i'm just like it's like a perfect weapon and if i had a I fire think you poker have one. next to my bed i would sleep so well i already sleep pretty well <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever, sometimes I worry that I don't sleepwalk, but sometimes my, I do, my brain does this thing where like, if right before I go to bed, I notice that like, oh, the knife is on the knife block, you know, like mm. or the knife is out. Right. I, I get worried that in the back of my mind, in the middle of the night, I'm going to wake up and grab that knife. Right. That I'm like, I've seen the knife right before falling asleep. Therefore, I am going to grab it and do harm. Yeah. I've never thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense because of like, dreams my yeah, dreams I'm like i don't want to know where the knife is before i go to sleep and like how do i wipe it from my brain my dreams have been very much like related to the last thing i did before bed lately usually my dreams are pretty random but yeah lately they've been exactly the last thing i did so if i oh, last God. thing i did See, i don't like to hear look at a knife i know i don't like i i if i see it I, I go like it's okay don't worry about the knife like you don't you don't know where the knife is like it's fine it's fine um even though like i do know where all the knives are in my house because i live here so like what's the difference oh boy last night sammy i had a dream that we were seeing mission impossible dead reckoning part two and we had which they the changed the name of by the way what or did i dream that <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it feels did. weird to change the name of a part two because it's like we already did it yeah it's now untitled mission impossible film what that's doesn't make any sense to me because they think part one hurt the box office okay but it's part two so people want to do you know what i mean it's like <laughs> it's really no funny. matter what it's not gonna be part one yeah, because part part one's one. not, not gonna make any sense if there's no part two and and part one was bad at the box office because it came out the same week as Barbie and Oppenheimer and because it also wasn't right as great as other Mission Impossibles. I was going to it's still great, but, you know, they're they're renaming part one as well. Interesting. Well, I just bought the Blu-ray of part one, even though it's already out and people have purchased it. But yeah, I think yeah. they are uh, changing it to just Dead Reckoning. I mean, that makes sense, I suppose. Okay. Well, I had a dream. We were Sorry. watching the Untitled Mission Impossible <laughs> movie <laughs> and had the worst seats in the theater and couldn't even see the whole screen. And all around us, people were like nightmare. getting up and moving around. And it was like bright in there. And I was so fucking pissed. I, yeah. God, I was mad. That so will never have a real relief to wake up and have that not be true. I yeah. love it that when you wake up from a bad dream and you're just like, oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> That's how I feel every time I wake up from a teeth dream. Just like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank uh, God. Um, OK, should we get into this week's movie? We should. This week we are going to be talking about Perfect Blue came out in 1997. Hmm. Like I said, this is an animated 
horror film. I guess it's more okay. of a thriller than horror. But there's some horrific stuff happening in here. This has been recommended a lot. People love this movie. I loved this movie. This was my first time seeing it. Mm. It's fucking great. Uh, it was directed by Satoshi Kon, written by Sariyuki Murai, based on a novel by Yoshikazu Takeuchi, starring Junko Iwao, Rika Matsumoto, and Shinpachi Tsuji. I think I said all of that exactly in the native pronunciation. I think your accent was exactly perfect. Thank you. And it's streaming on Shudder.com. Dot com. Um, I, this is exciting. I've never heard of this movie. Joel asked me today what movie we were doing. And I said, blue something. And he was like, that doesn't help me <laughs> because that's all I remembered from what you told me. <laughs> and I did not know that it was an animated horror. It's interesting to think about someone drawing horror. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of animated horror. Actually, I would love to hear recommendations. The only other one I know is Mad God, which is um, stop motion. Mm, very interesting. And yeah, you just don't see a lot but of I mean, animated horror. You can draw anything if you know how to draw. I guess it's because, you know, animation is generally associated with children. <laughs> yes, correct. So blending it with horror is kind of an unexpected combination. But it works. I think of animation as either being for children or being for creeps. <laughs> that, there's, there's like children's animation and then there's like nasty, freaky, weird animation. <laughs> so I guess this falls in the category of being for freaks. Yep. And that's me, baby. <laughs> I loved it. I do wish that uh, animation does have, I feel like, a bigger barrier to entry. Or it just people have in their minds exactly what we're talking about. Like, yep. and I have them as well. I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch an animated movie because mm -hmm. I just have an idea of like what that's going to be like. I just picture like a dude drawing girls with huge tits. Like that's <laughs> all I can think about. <laughs> Which I know isn't fair. I mean, other people draw, but <laughs> they're really cornering the market in terms of what it seems like adult cartoons are. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. There are some some tits in this this movie. OK, so case in point. <laughs> uh, but this movie has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, 67 on Metacritic. I was surprised by that. Um, mm. And an 8 on IMDb. Whoa. That's like essentially a 200% on yeah, IMDb. Yeah, that's like the highest rated movie on IMDb ever, I think. The budget was 90 million yen or 830,000 US dollars. Mm. And I couldn't really find how much it made. It says it made 768,000 in the US and UK releases. And I mean, I would assume that it's released in Japan as well. And I don't know yeah. how much money it made uh, worldwide. Because, yeah, this is Japanese film. I guess I didn't say that. Um, but it was originally conceived as a live action film, but some financers huh. pulled out last minute. So they changed it. That's pretty fucking cool to be like, fine, we'll we're still <laughs> we're still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Madonna used selections from this film as a backdrop animation during a dance interlude on her Drowned World Tour. Whoa. <laughs> uh, this movie has a lot of similarities to Black Swan, another episode that Ooh. just you and I did. So, <gasps> whoa. And a lot of people 
give Darren Aronofsky shit for copying this movie. There was actually a rumor that he had purchased the rights to Perfect Blue. And as far as I can tell, that is not true. He just just did it. Took a lot of the same stuff and did it. And I love Black Swan, so I'm not necessarily mad about it. But if you like Black Swan, watch Perfect Blue. Wow. Also in Requiem for a Dream, there is like a literal shot for shot recreation of one of the scenes in this movie. Whoa. It's a great shot. So I get why he did it. It's just very funny to be like, I'm going to also do that. That thing that I like, I'm going to do it exactly. I liked that. I'm going to do it. It's mine now. I take it. Uh, And then I was just trying to figure out why it's called perfect blue. And I guess in Japanese culture, blue represents purity and cleanliness. Hmm. So that's going to factor into some of the themes okay of this film okay i will say you might already know this i've been very very averse to watching any anything drawn in an anime like style Uh since middle school where i was at a sleepover party of one of my friends from ballet who so i didn't know her other friends it was like her friends from school Uh uh-huh and so it's her birthday and we're having a sleepover party and they all were really into this anime show and I don't know what it's called, but they were all really, really into this anime show and made a, we had to watch it like all <laughs> night. Like all we did was watch this anime and it was like really freaky. There was like, a, it was like, like creepy. Like there was like, it was like bloody and there was like one part where like wings like pop out of someone's back and it's like nasty and there it was just like, I hated it i hated it so much and i felt so trapped i was and i was Ugh. like i don't know these girls i can't like say like i don't like this and i was like 12 so you have to right be 12 cool. is 12 is a tough age for oh my god and i just for yourself in front of girls you don't know in my memory we watched that show for like 12 straight hours like i feel like i and i remember just being like in a dark house You're, with strangers it's like your watching torture room the worst thing i've ever seen and so I've, i truly ever since i i can't and i know it's not the same you guys have gotten on me about this joel's gotten on me about this like miyazaki i can't really watch because it like i like am tra- i'm like traumatized yeah but maybe maybe miyazaki I wanna, movies I have wanna move some dark stuff in them so i know i uh, so I need to, I would like to grow past it. I don't want to be limited, but that is a hurdle for me. Yeah, I'm not super versed, well-versed in this genre, but maybe we could ask for some recommendations for some nice starter anime. Yes. Okay. And if anybody, I have been, tra- I would love to know if anybody knows what this anime was. I don't know what it, and all, the only descriptors I can give you are that it was horny. <laughs> And it was like schoolgirls, like literally in school. And at one point, some wings burst out of somebody's skin and it's like bloody and gross. And the year was that I was watching it was probably 2002. Do you think it was Sailor Moon? I don't remember any wings. I don't think it was Sailor Moon. That's the only one that I feel like I remember. And 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 my friend was, was Japanese, so I feel like maybe it was like. It wasn't, you know, a, wasn't a, a mainstream legit. one uh, in yeah. on American televisions. So, guys, if you know, if anybody knows and can help me process this, <laughs> please tell me what it is. That's all I got for you. So if you know, if that's enough for you to know, let me know. Yeah. Well, I don't think this movie's going to 
redeem it for Make me feel better. For you. Okay. Well, I guess time will tell. Yep. But let's let's freaking get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet, so you get a box of the market's best quality wines however often you'd like for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary, code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. We all come home after a long day of work, and what's the first thing we do? We take off our bras because they are uncomfortable and constricting, and we're just ready to get out of them by the end of the day. Well, what if I told you that Skims has changed all that? Skims has done the impossible and created an underwire bra that I actually forget that I'm wearing. I didn't think anybody could do it. You guys obviously know how much I love Skims. I have tried many of their other products. I've never been disappointed, but I, yeah, just don't normally love an underwire bra. I prefer a bralette, but I've loved everything else I've gotten so much that I thought, you know what? Why not try an underwire bra from Skims? Let's just see. And they did it. They did it, folks. They created my favorite underwire bra I've ever worn. I have the weightless scoop bra. It has this nice like mesh material that's supportive and comfortable, breathable, but still very sexy. And yeah, like I said, I I do genuinely forget that I'm wearing it. And that is very rare. I, you know, I'm a broken record over here. I love skims. I love skims. I'm sorry. That's just the the cold hard truth. I will shout it from the rooftops because I want everybody to know. I want everybody to share in my joy and my comfort. So shop skims bras at skims.com now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. 
And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you after you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. So I do have to give a trigger warning for rape. Okay. Yeah. So we start at a convention type thing. There's a Power Rangers show happening. It looks like a, a you know, Comic-Con type thing. Mm-hmm. Comic-Con, maybe you're familiar, a, a, a convention that we, we performed at. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been, yeah. <laughs> been invited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And next on the stage is a J-pop group named Cham. And they go on. The crowd's going wild. Clear that they're very popular. There's people in the crowd selling weird, very specific memorabilia about them. People are, are big fans. And these songs are bangers, so we can see why. Mm-hmm. Very fun. And they're wearing like cute little tutus, right? Yeah, they're in almost ballerina costumes. Three of them, three singers. And already this opening is intercut with moments of our main character, Mima, on the train and grocery shopping. And it's having these little matching actions. So she'll be snapping on the train and then it cuts back to on the stage of her snapping while she's dancing. And it's just Mm. a little disorienting right off the bat. It cuts to her agent and manager arguing about her becoming an actress. So we find out that this is going to be her last performance Mm -hmm. and that she is switching gears and trying her hand at acting. Uh, Back to the show, they're dancing on stage. We see a creepy guy in the front row that's holding his hand and making it appear from his point of view that he's holding Mima in her in his hand. And he's uh, just a creepy looking guy. He's got these very gray eyes that sometimes the animation like he doesn't even have pupils you know, it just is like a very scary look. He was reminding me of, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but Ben Foster's character in the movie Hostage with Bruce Willis. I haven't seen it. Uh, That's a reference for some of you out there to be (laughs) able to picture what this guy looks like. He's got like long ratty hair covering one of his eyes always. And it's just kind of big and hunched over and obsessed with Cham and there's some rowdy fans and this guy, his name, he goes by Me Mania and mm-hmm. he sees other fans being noisy during while Cham is trying to give the announcement that this is Mima's last show. Me Mania takes it upon himself to attack these guys to be like, shut up, like our our queens are speaking, essentially. Oh, my God. Quiets them down and then. They announce that she's leaving and he looks absolutely devastated. Cut to Mima arriving home and her into her cute little apartment. Love her apartment. She's got a fish tank with some fish in it. She feeds them her fish food. Did you ever have fish? Um, I did. We had a beta fish. You remember when everyone had beta yes, fish? Yes, I had, I had them as well. Yeah, we had them. And I feel like everyone had them in those in like a vase with a um, there was like a plant on top. Did you have that? Mm, mm -mm. Okay, well, that immediately refutes my (laughs) fear that everyone. (laughs) Sounds cool. uh, I'll try to find a picture for you. But yes, no, we had 
my sister had a goldfish for a while. She wanted a carnival that lived for like eight years. <laughs> but then we also had some a series of, of betta fish. Yeah, I had betta fish and goldfish as well. And the most recent one, actually, Jenna and I had a goldfish together. We got one and we named it Jasper after Twilight. Oh, because sure. Because yeah. he could make us, he could alter our moods and make us happy from bad <laughs> moods. And <laughs> that's very special. And I don't know, I, I like got, I get to attached to them, which I guess is with all pets, but I had to, yeah. I was just like, they died too frequently or I killed mm-hmm. a, a goldfish once when I chained it, changed the water. You know, there can be very particular yeah. about changing that water. And yeah. I like cried for two days and was like, I can't get fish anymore because it's like, I let this fish down. It's my fault that it's dead. That's really tough. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, you'd think a fish is really, really low maintenance. And it is. But it also makes sense that, like, it's a living creature with specific needs. And there are some pretty easy ways to fuck it up. Yeah, there really are. And so I was jealous of her apartment and her fish tank because I just don't think I can own fish anymore. But I really like fish. (laughs) Yeah, maybe someday, Sandy. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Uh, so, and I just noted this. This is inconsequential, but she's listening to the radio and they're talking about a report about an earthquake and just... Oh, no. Got me thinking about earthquakes. No earthquakes ever factor into this okay. ever again, though. She's reading some fan mail that she has brought home with her. And most of them are, you know, very nice. Like, love you so much, blah, blah, blah. Then she opens one that says simply, I always like looking into Mima's room. I put up a link to Mima's room. Ah! And she doesn't under, she's very confused by it. Doesn't know what it means. Her mom calls her. She's t- talking to her mom about her career change and then a call comes on the other line and she answers it and it's just someone breathing into the phone oh god oh god and i gotta say someone did this to me (laughs) when i was in high school and my mom answered it was a prank it was a prank call i know who it was oh my god and we know who you are we know who you are and he called in at like late it was like midnight and my mom answered and he just breathed into the phone and my mom was so scared obviously <gasps> and i think i was still i don't think it woke me up so the next morning it was like oh i know who that was like i'm sorry and she was like oh thank god but it's really oh, scary awful that actually reminds me that something scary did happen to me this week mm. which is that we were staying in this airbnb in topanga with our friends marty and kim and we love this airbnb we've stayed there before and there is a weird little creepy attic room, not attic room, but like a little loft room with two little nasty twin beds. It's like really gross. I hate that. I mean, we don't stay up there. Right. It's just really creepy. And one night it's late and we've all been hanging out and having a great time and drinking and having fun. It's time to go to bed. And we and Joel is nowhere to be found. And I knew he was pranking us. <laughs> but also a little part of me was like, did Joel die? You know, like I always am like. Right. I can't do those things because my brain goes to like, no, like the we're, the, we're gonna think it's a prank, but it's real. I think it's from listening to so many horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, no, 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 this is for real, and like things are bad, and we think it's a joke, and it's not a joke. Right. And he was hiding upstairs behind the door in that creepy little fucking room for like 15 minutes. Oh my god. And none, no one, no one wanted to go up there and find him. 
And Marty was brave and Marty went up there and found him and it was really upsetting and I was really unhappy. <laughs> it was a mean prank. I don't like Joel, pranks. what are you freaking doing? Come what on. What are you freaking doing? He was giggling. He was having the time of his life. <laughs> oh. Nasty little prank. That was nasty, Joel. It's a nasty thing you did. <laughs> Joel, that was really nasty what you did. <laughs> uh, so, okay. She's got a nasty guy breathing in the phone to her. Then a fax comes in to, oh, you know, 1997. Yep. Put a place us in time. And it's just says traitor, 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 which if you're not watching the traitors on Peacock, <laughs> you should <Ooh>. be. <laughs> um, so now she's freaked out and she looks out her open window and closes the curtains. And it's like, feels like someone is watching her now. And then we just hear her saying, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And we see that she is on set for the first gig she is booked as an actress. And her one line is, who are you? She's like Mm. practicing her line. (laughs) Mm. And she is going to be on a show called Double Bind, which is like a detective, uh, like SVU type show. Mm. She's playing the sister of a murder victim. She's sitting off camera with her manager, Rumi, uh, asking her about the fan mail that she got about like, mm. I put up a link to Mima's room. She's like asking her, what, what does this mean? Rumi tells her it's a uh, it's the Internet. It's an Internet link. And it was really jarring to see them Whoa. in a world where the Internet is so fresh, which we were alive for that time. I remember that time, but for some reason it just really caught me off guard. And so she's telling her that it's like, it's the internet. It's that new thing, the internet. And (laughs) Mima's like, Oh, okay. Like, is that something I should worry about? She says, no, just whatever. Just God, imagine being a famous person before the internet must've been great. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of benefit to that. Being a famous person would be so awful, especially in the age of the internet. Oh my God, it'd be so scary. Yeah, I mean, you know, speaking of stalkers and stuff, I feel like recently someone went into Keanu Reeves's house. Yeah. And there's stalkers that just like go into famous people's houses and just like take baths and shit. Like, can you imagine? So yeah, it's really it's really not right. Like I find myself to be interested in and obsessed with certain celebrities more than I know is like normal. Same. But I would never go into their house and take a bath. Do you know what I mean? Like like and that's that's just like me and my own obsession. And then there's like so many more people who will go do that. Yeah. And that is it's very terrifying. Very terrifying. Like I what I'll do is I'll sit and dissect a two second video clip to try to read lips, which I did that recently. I tried mm, to read Taylor I read lips on the Taylor and um, Selena. No, I on the, the other one, the t- Timote and, and Kylie, mm, I was like, mm, I want mm, the mm. whole conversation. Yeah, obviously, we, we everybody saw the I love you. I love you. But um, <laughs> I wanted the whole conversation. <laughs> but I'm not going to go into their houses. No, I we do have some <sighs> amount of boundaries. I won't comment on any of their social media no i will not 
I don't want to actually interact with them at all unless they initiate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm over here waiting. I'm over here waiting for them to initiate yeah, contact that with I me. would be okay with. That I'd be okay with. So if, anyone, if any of them are wondering, <laughs> they can approach me and I will allow it. Timothée? Timothée, I'm over here waiting. <laughs> uh, so she kind of brushes off the link to... Uh, Mima's room for now and she's getting ready to go deliver her line and we see they're filming a scene before and the two main actors it's a, a woman and a man that are partner detectives and they're you know before they start rolling they're laughing and joking and then they say action and the woman her name is Ari it starts going into like do you know why the killer peels all the skin off of his victims and it's just a funny little like transition yeah yeah. uh and they're they're filming like the scene before or whatever and then we see that uh mima's manager and agent are trying to convince the writer to make her part bigger because i guess the season Mm. is ongoing it's not finished being written yet and so they're just trying to be like she's like a pop idol uh you should use her more and the writer's kind of saying like a pop idol. That's it's, it's kind of weird, though, isn't it? And they're like, no, like she's going to get fans for the show. They're trying to convince them to try to make her part bigger. This reminded me of the idol because uh, Jenny from Blackpink was on the idol. Mm. It's a common transition. Yeah. They're performers. They're both performers. Gaga, ever heard of her? Ever heard of her? Yeah. <laughs> And the list ends there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me to name another one. She's the only one who's done it as far as I'm concerned. Britney Spears. Hello, Crossroads. Hello, Crossroads. And the list ends there. <laughs> <laughs> Someone comes in and brings fan mail to Ari and the other guy in the show. And the one on top is addressed to Mima. So they uh, grab it and say, oh, wait, this one's not for you. Now Mima's about to go. Her scene is up and she's looking at the bright lights shining on her. She has this moment of she seems like really nervous and uh, there's so many people around her. and We're getting the sense of her feeling really overwhelmed, the lights and the people and how that compares to her being on stage in front of people. And she's kind of remembering that and having just this like moment, disorienting moment where she sees me mania in the crowd of people in the show like on set on set and turns again and he's gone and isn't sure if it's real and uh they call action and then she's about to give her line when there's an explosion everyone stops turns and looks and the letter addressed to her has exploded in her manager's hands <gasps> he's or it's her, her agent and he is like knocked to the ground he survives but he's bleeding he's like pretty badly injured oh jesus and we cut to to mima back at home and they're really like don't seem too concerned about this letter exploding. Rumi is telling her, you know, it's, it was just a prank. <laughs> that is not a prank. <laughs> a prank is hiding in the twin bedroom. We know what a prank is and we don't like it. <laughs> even but it's that, not even this. that prank 
went a little too far. <laughs> it went a little too far and it, and nobody wanted it. <laughs> and yeah, this is more than a prank, but they're really downplaying it. Mima has bought a computer and Rumi is showing her how to use the internet. And she wow. says like, this is where you type in the internet address. Then Rumi goes home and, and Mima's home alone and she types in the address that's on the fan mail because there was a link to Mima's room and it's a blog type of thing and Hmm. she reads one of the entries and says this morning when I got off the train right foot first I always go right foot first I make a point of it she kind of laughs and she's like oh my gosh someone knows me so well and continues reading and there it says you know today was my 21st birthday they threw me a party on my way home. I stopped at the grocery store and bought milk, this brand of milk. I always get this brand of milk and, of course, food for my fish. And now she's getting like very creeped out and goes, continues to read May 12th. I was impressed with uh, Ari Ochai's performance in Double Bind as she turns into another person when the camera is rolling and it's just all extremely specific details that only someone that was there would know. And she's officially very scared. And then there's an audio clip play uh, that you can click on, on the site and she clicks it. I think, I think this is what it is. She's listening to a clip on the website. That's just her saying, who are you? Who are you? Who are you practicing her line? So, Her manager's name is Rumi. Her agent's name is Tadakoro. And we cut to them watching the episode. And Mima only has, you know, her one line, three shots total. And it's very fast. And so they're feeling frustrated, like they really need to get her more lines. Rumi's kind of saying she's a pop idol. They should like want her more. And... Tadakoro says things are different from when you were a pop idol, Rumi. And she like sighs and she's like, I know Rumi is like in her 40s or 50s. And Mm. she uh, looks bummed. And this is the same. They're working in the same office as Cham because they're also Cham's agents and managers. And so Mm. Cham Mm -hmm. is in there like thriving. And we see Rumi looking bummed about it. Uh, We see Mima coming to the office and as she is about to get off the train with her right foot first, she like freezes and panics and until like people shove past her and knock her out of the train and she runs out of the train station having a panic attack mm-hmm. and has to, you know, steady herself on the side of the road and she's really freaking out. And there are some fans that approach her and ask her for a photo and she just like continues past past them and they're saying, you know, do they always become so rude when they become actresses? Mm. And she has like I something that was stood out to me is her complete lack of security. It is a different time, I suppose. But oh, yeah. So she makes it to the building. And as she's getting on the elevator, she sees me mania uh looking at her and as the elevator doors are closing he smiles this very creepy smile 
Mima makes goes up to the office where Rumi and Tadakoro are and gets the news that Cham has charted higher than ever. <laughs> Damn. And she's genuinely like really happy for them, but she does have hmm. a brief moment of imagining herself back in Cham and mm. celebrating this with them. And then you know, snaps back to reality and is just congratulating them really sincerely. They're being uh, the the members of Cham are totally nice, but the one of the other managers somewhere is like Cham is totally fine as a duo. <laughs> it's like okay, well yeah. let's not say that while Mima's right yeah. here. So okay, so then we go back to the set of Double Bind, and the writer says he has an idea for Mima's character. We see. Rumi and Tadakoro talking about it and it is a rape scene that they have added and Rumi is extremely upset and says like of course we're not doing that this is insane and we're not doing that Tadakoro says you know this is the opportunity to be in the show more and after this she'll become like more of a main character would be crazy to pass it up. Mima puts on a smile and is like, it's totally fine. Like, I'll, I'm happy to do it. Mm. And on the train ride home, she's leaning against the uh, side of the train and her reflection turns and looks at her and is dressed as her as a pop star in the little like tutu mm. and says, I refuse, I refuse to do it. I won't do it and it scares Mima flashes back and it's gone and we cut to them uh gearing up to film this rape scene it's awful I feel like and I mean obviously it's awful but like the animation doesn't make it any easier (laughs) no and there's like a lot of people on set for this like we need to close this set down people there's not an intimacy coordinator in sight of course 97 and it just shows them so it's it's in a strip club and it's her doing a dance at first and then all the men around get too rowdy and one like punches another one and climbs on stage and climbs on top of her oh god and while everyone all the other men are just like cheering around and so there's like so many people around and she's screaming and screaming and screaming and there's you know call cut like reset take it again like take two take three and so it's just like you see it like over and over and over and the other actor, the the rapist actor, is like apologizing to her between takes, and she's like smiling, like it's okay, like don't worry about it. Ugh. It's awful, and we see Rumi watching on the screens, and she starts crying and walks off set. Mima focuses on like the bright lights around her and once again flashes to herself on stage as a singer and is hearing the sounds of applause instead of the like men cheering and it's Uh. having this kind of dissociative experience and then it like cuts to her in the empty dressing room after so even though she's telling everybody it's fine it's fine it's clear that it's maybe affecting her Mm. 
she comes home and sees that her fish are dead. <gasps> oh, God. All of them. This is exactly why. <laughs> no, why yeah, we can't be doing this. Why I can't be doing this. Stakes are too high. And this is what sets her off to like, finally, she's been had this brave face on smiling. Everything's fine, fine, fine. She sees that her fish are dead. She starts sobbing. Then she starts mm. screaming and smashing things. Says, of course, I didn't want to do it, but I couldn't trouble the people that have gotten me this far. She's sobbing. Mm. And then her reflection in the mirror turns to pop star Mima saying, I told you so and being kind of a bitch about it. And <laughs> Mima throws oh. the throws a pillow at the reflection and it turns back to her real reflection where we just see she's looking, you know, like she's just been sobbing for five minutes. And uh, so now we cut to me mania in his home at his desk, which has photos of Mima taped everywhere, covering Ew. every surface. It's just Mima, Mima, Mima. And he's writing one of the entries of Mima's room. Uh -huh. And he's saying, you know, I didn't like doing that scene, but, or yeah, it's, it, he's saying, I didn't like doing that scene today. Being a pop star is where I really belong. And so we're getting the sense that this blog is with the intention of having Mima return to pop stardom rather than being an actor because we saw he was very upset that uh -huh. she left Cham and we see Mima reading it back in her apartment after he posts it and she's saying, you know, this isn't true. I didn't write this. And pop star Mima comes up on the computer screen in like a little video tab saying like, of course you didn't. I did. I'm the real Mima. You're mm. a filthy woman now. And like, nobody wants a woman with a tarnished reputation. And like, you're disgusting. I'm the real Mima and you're an imposter. Oh, and boy. then pop star Mima materializes into the room as kind of a ghostly apparition and is taunting her more and more, just telling her like how filthy she is. And then pop star ghost Mima jumps off the balcony of Mima's apartment and Mima watches after her as she kind of flies, floats down the street, like bouncing on lampposts so she can hmm. move like a little ghost. Yeah. Then we cut to, we see the writer of Double Bind pulling into his parking garage, I think at his home, and there's blood smeared Double Bind on his parking spot, like as if it's his marking his parking spot. He looks freaked out by this. Mm. What the fuck is that? And he's hearing Cham on and off there like the song is coming from somewhere in the distance he's trying to figure it out but then he just like runs to the elevator to go inside and the elevator doors open and the the boom box is in there blasting cham <sighs> cuts to inside the apartment building the elevator doors open and we see the writer with his eyes gouged out uh, <gasps> blood sprayed everywhere in the elevator he's dead Oh, shit. Then we see Tadakoro and Rumi 
with Mima and they're kind of saying like, let's not, <laughs> let's not worry about that. Yeah. It's horrible, but let's best not to think too much about it. Oh and God. again, again, really downplaying it. <laughs> Mima is obviously very haunted by this and she's seeing visions of pop star Mima more and more. She's seeing her on the street in cars driving by and she's seems like she's losing it a little bit and is really on edge we see that she has a photo shoot coming up and we see the other members of Cham, the other two women saying, isn't that photographer kind of a creep? And this is all intercut with her seeing images of, of ghost pop star Mima and mm -hmm. this photo shoot happening and her on stage as a pop star and her acting. And we're seeing the photo shoot get more raunchy, I guess the, the photographer is basically saying like, let's try one, like take your top down, like over the shoulder, like slowly progressing it to be more of a nude photo shoot. Mm -hmm. And it's also intercut with her doing interviews, basically doubling down on everything being like, yeah, that scene was hard to film, but I just viewed it as a challenge for me as an actress. And I'm just really proud. I get to do this job. And so this kind of montage is happening to, mm. for us to see that she's becoming this more sexualized person and she's trying to justify it uh, to reporters and, and the media and stuff. But we know she's maybe not as thrilled about it mm. as she's, she's making it seem. And then we get her in her apartment, in her bath. This is the shot that was shot for shot recreated in Requiem for a Dream mm. where she's folded over in her bathtub and it's there's like an overhead shot of her back as she's curled up in the bathtub and then underwater she screams it's a great shot mm. the magazine with the photo shoot gets released i don't know if it's like playboy but there's naked photos of her that get released in a Whoa. magazine and me mania sees them in the corner store or whatever and buys all of them. He looks frantic. Like he, he's seeing people looking at her and it's really upsetting him. And so he goes to like all these different corner stores and buys up all of them. And like you see in his apartment, there's just stacks and stacks of these naked photos of her, which he doesn't seem to be like, it's not like he wants to look at them. He right. like doesn't, he doesn't want them in the world. Ugh. Then we see Mimania getting receiving an email that says, you believe me, right? That's not me. That's an imposter. Huh? He responds like, of course, I know that you would never do that. And the other person on the email says, like, what are we going to do? And Mimania says, I'll get rid of her. Hmm. Um, I wrote down here that the music is great. It's kind of Nine Inch Nails type mm. music. I love Nine Inch Nails as someone who doesn't like music. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it sounds like Trent Reznor did this score. So now we go to on set again. They're filming another scene because her part's bigger now. And we see her saying in character, I don't know who I am. I'm scared my other self will do something. And so within the show, her character is experiencing like a dissociative identity mm. disorder and of course mirroring what is happening in her real life. So there's a lot of scenes where it kind of cuts back and forth and you don't know if it's in the show or in real life. 
And one of the lines of dialogue in Double Bind, the uh, woman is saying there's no way illusions can come to life, which is exactly what's happening Mm. in her actual life. And so she's looking really confused by this, like she's having a harder time telling what's real and what's (sighs) not. And what's in the show and what's in real life. And so and she looks out and she sees me mania in the crowd again, uh, like behind some barriers. There's it's just like they're filming in the street. And so there's a crowd of uh, onlookers. Then she goes back into the building where the agent and manager are because Cham is doing an on air interview and she wants to go support them. And as she gets there, she sees pop star Mima doing the interview with them Mm. and she's like uh, seeing herself as if she's still part of Cham and pop star Mima looks at her with this kind of devilish smile and Mima runs out of the room, gets scared and then sees pop star Mima bouncing around the halls of the building in this very floaty, creepy way. Mm. And she's chasing her and she's looking crazy to everybody around her as she's running through this building, bumping into people. She trips, she falls down the stairs. Pop star Mima is just bouncing around and she chases her out into the rain. It's raining outside and She's chasing her through the streets when she runs into a street and we see the headlights of a truck approaching. We see me mania driving the truck. Oh, and the lights get closer and closer as she turns, gets presumably hit by the car, cuts to white. And then she wakes up in her bed, panting, like breathing heavily, like just sorry. What the fuck just happened? Mm -hmm. Rumi comes over and is making her tea. Mima is saying, it's been a while since I've seen you, Rumi. Uh, Rumi, after the rape scene, has been Mm. around less, I guess, because she's so upset by this turn of events. And Rumi says, you know, you seem a little um, on edge. Has someone been harassing you? Is it about that website? And she tells her to stop reading the website. And Mima says, but what if she's more real than than I am? Mm. Rumi says, you know, illusions can't come to life. Hmm. Mima looks up like what? And then here's cut and we're back on set in that same scene. (laughs) And Mimania is there again watching and we get take two. She's looking doesn't know what's happening. There's, you know, the bright set lights shining at her. And then she wakes up in bed again. Rumi comes over, is making her tea. And she says, it's been a while since I've seen you, Rumi. Like, I'm glad you're here. And Rumi says, what are you talking about? I was here yesterday. And Mima says, that was real. Rumi's like, yeah. And mm-hmm. Mima does not know what's going on and as she's holding her teacup she smashes it in in her hands she's gripping it so hard and her hands start pouring blood and she has no reaction to it at all she's just basically you know is this blood even real like am i alive and Rumi, you know runs to to help her and but she's not she's not in a good way mima's not doing well 
Ugh, ugh. That night, she's reading the web the website in her dark apartment now, just the glow of the computer as she's reading all mm. Mima's entries. And then we see an episode, the episode of Double Bind playing the detective saying, you mean the murder is an illusion that she created, but illusions can't come to life or whatever. And they, and they say maybe the illusion found something to possess. And so within the show, they're finding out that I think her character's name is Yoko in the show. So Yoko is like actually the killer in the show. And so she killed her own sister. Hmm. It pulls back to show us that it's the, uh, the showrunner is watching an episode of the show or a director or something. Someone that we've seen on set is in his apartment watching this episode. You know, it's possible that it's the photographer, too. I couldn't quite tell. Okay. But it's someone that we've seen before and he's watching the show and then there's a doorbell rings. He goes to get some the there's a pizza being delivered and the pizza man pulls out this screwdriver looking thing and stabs him in the eye with it. Ah! And then he's running into the apartment, running for his phone and pizza guy stabs through his hand and through the phone Ew. As he's like grabbed the phone, he stabs through it and then just stabs and stabs and stabs and stabs him so many times. And we see that it's Mima, but ah. it's also Mima doing the same thing on television. Okay. And this is now intercut with all these shots of her naked, all the photographer's shots. So maybe it is the photographer. Mm-hmm. And then this bright white light as the flashing happens as she's taking the photographs and stab, stab, stab. (laughs) And then we hear take three and she wakes up in bed again, same position as she's woken up in many times now. Wow. And she's trembling, looking at her hands, doesn't know what's real anymore. Phone rings. She gets a call from someone on set that says like, Mima, are you okay? Did you hear about whatever this guy that's just been killed? And she's like, that's real. That happened. And they're like, stay where you are. It's like, now we finally believe that something is happening related to you. The letter exploding and all these people now dying. Yeah. So they tell her, stay there. Someone's going to come get you. She can't believe this is real. And she goes nervously to her closet and opens it and finds all her bloody clothes. Mm. So she presumably committed the murder, possibly. That's what she's thinking. And she's very scared. They bring her back to someone comes and gets her and they bring her back to set. Everyone's like scared and talking and I guess still filming though. And She's so out of it and like having a very clearly horrible time. She's again, like asking them, asking if she's alive. No Ooh. one's like, we need to send this girl home. Yeah. She's, like, she's asking if she's alive, which doesn't feel good. And she says to Rumi, maybe that truck hit me and this is all a dream. Oh, God. And she's now having to film 
that murder scene again, there'd have to do like a pickup on the scene where she's killing someone with uh, pretty much the exact same weapon. And she gets up to go to do the take and she's standing over this um, actor that's all bloodied. And he looks up at her and she sees the photographer's face or whoever was just murdered with eyes gouged out. And she passes out, wakes up in bed. <laughs> ah! We see Ari, the the um, detective uh, woman, main character of the show, saying, are you awake? And Mima kind of blinking her eyes, waking up. She says, can you tell me your name? Mima says that her name's Mima. And then it, it's like clear that we're in the filming of the show still. And it cuts to because they're in character, the Ari and the other detective. And so Ari goes back into they're doing the like two way mirror scene where Mima mm. is in an interrogation room. So then it's the other two detectives talking amongst themselves. And this is where they say she thinks she's a, a pop idol. She has dissociative personality disorder. Yoko is nothing more than a character she's created. They say, cut, that's a wrap. Great job, Mima. Like, double bind is in the can. And the crew is all, like, hugging her and telling her, you did such a good job. She's, you know, just, like, dead behind the eyes at this point. Like, what the fuck is going on? And uh, they're all going out to celebrate. And and Mima's like, I need to grab something first. She stays behind for some reason. I can't remember. But Rumi is waiting for her outside. And is like, okay, like, I'll meet you by the car. So Mima's now alone in the um, studio or whatever where the set is. And Mimania appears, attacks her. Oh, God. He's got a knife. And... Uh, she runs through, you know, some like hall and ends up in the place where they filmed the rape scene, the set of the strip club in the same exact position. He tackles her down to the stage where she was filmed being raped and he starts like ripping off her top and she's, it's like happening for real this time. And he's, uh, he says, you're not Mima. You're not her. I'm protecting the real Mima. And she's saying, like, what are you talking about? Like, I am Mima. It's me. And he's saying, no, the real Mima emails me every day. And you don't know who I am. So you're not Mima. And he's attempting to rape her and murder her. He's got a knife. I don't know. He's just like fully attacking her and she's able to reach down onto the ground. There's a hammer and she fucking slams him in the head with that hammer and he drops, drops dead, presumably. Then we hear cut and she turns and there's bright lights and everyone's Ah! applauding. (laughs) You're the best Mima. You're so good. Oh my God. What is happening? (laughs) And Rumi comes in to the studio now because Mima's, you know, taking too long and she's coming to find her. Where is she? And she finds Mima in the hallway with her her clothes torn, looking in complete shambles. She runs to her. Oh, my God. Like, what happened? Are you okay? Mima takes her to the set of the strip club 
and the body is gone. Oh, God. And she's like, this isn't possible. Rumi says, are you sure you weren't dreaming? Mima's like fading. She's like losing. She's like about to pass out. And so Rumi's like, I'll take you back to, I'll take you home. Mima kind of falls asleep in the car, wakes up in her bed. Rumi's in the other room making tea. And she is like slowly uh, looking around and like rubbing her head, like, what happened? What's going on? She's like, oh, I need to call Hadakoro because we didn't go to the party. They probably like are wondering where we are. But then she looks and sees all her fish are alive (laughs) and her cham poster is still up. She had taken her cham poster down earlier and she's looking around the room confused. Then she pulls back the curtain and it's a different outdoor area. It's like not her balcony. She's in a different house and she's like, this isn't my apartment, but everything looks exactly like her apartment. And she's calling Tadakoro and we see the phone ringing uh, wherever Tadakoro is and he is dead. She oh doesn't know that, God. but he's he's been killed as well. And then out of the kitchen steps Rumi dressed as pop star <gasps> Mima. Mima's like, Rumi, what are you doing? Like, what the fuck? And she's rubbing her head and she's like, Rumi, Rumi, Rumi went home, but Rumi was really mad that you left being a pop idol because that's what you were supposed to do. Oh my God. And we're seeing the animation choices here, like keep going back and forth between her looking like Mima and her looking like Rumi dressed as Mima. And so the like reflection is Rumi, but then in the room, she's seeing Mima. Whoa. And she's basically explaining how it was a huge mistake for her to become an actress, but luckily the fans will protect you, especially me mania. He would do anything for you. He helped me uh, get things back the way they're supposed to be. And so we're realizing that Rumi has been manipulating me mania into attacking Mima. And now Rumi attacks Mima and they, she stabs her in the shoulder and Mima's only exit is the balcony, but there's, they're on like the second floor. She's trying to climb around to the next door balcony, but Rumi like knocks her off. So she's like hanging by her fingers, but then she falls, but lands on like trash can or something and breaks her fall. But she's, she's just running and Rumi is chasing her. But again, we're seeing it as two Mimas. The Rumi Mima is being like, you're, you're an imposter. And Mima is a pop idol, not an actress. And in the, as they're like fighting, so it's like a long chase scene. They, they're running all through the, like the streets. And at some point, Mima knocks off Rumi's wig and she like screams because she's it like throws off her perception of herself mm. and she stops and kind of collapses to the ground. And she had in a fight smashed a glass window 
and she when her wig comes off she like stumbles onto a piece of broken glass like it gets like impaled by it kind of but not to a deadly degree but she starts like pouring blood until she gets her wig back on and then she snaps back to being Mima and, and she she grabs she gets the wig back on and there's this great shot where she turns back as Mima now and looks at Mima with like blood streaming down her face and she's just giving her a big smile and Rumi Mima is now in the street that's where the wig had fallen and sees these approaching headlights and stands up to do like a a pop star pose like thank you like because she's seeing it as the lights of a stadium oh my god and then real Mima sees that she's about to be hit by a car and runs and knocks her out of the way saving her life and then the because of the accident like the car stops and people are like oh call the police call the ambulance they're both unconscious now they've like knocked to the ground hit their heads and we come back up some time later possibly years later and we're in a mental hospital Hmm. and we see Rumi saying you know thank you for the flowers and we see that it is Mima that has brought her flowers And she says something like, I learned a lot from Rumi. Like she taught me a lot about myself. And as she's leaving the mental hospital, there's two nurses kind of whispering and they're like, is that Mima? Like, no, Mima wouldn't be here. And Mima gets into her car and looks at her little mirror and says, I am Mima. I am real. And that's the end of the movie. Whoa. Crazy, right? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved it. Wow. It's a trip, very trippy movie. I feel like it's an extremely rewatchable movie because, you know, there's just so many little details in it. And obviously this is, I try, you know, I try to pick different movies each, each week. This one had more in common with one we just did. I guess it was a bonus episode, Triangle than Mm. I was expecting. But like I said in the Triangle episode, it's like pointless to try to make everything make sense Mm -hmm. because it's someone having a, like, I think somewhat of a psychotic break and their perception of the world. But I think there are, I think it's like safe to say that Rumi was pulling the strings on a lot of the stuff that was happening and like driving her crazy, Mm -hmm. essentially cause like causing her to have a psychotic break and so by the end she seems like she's she's back to herself and Mm. you know happy ending wow happy ending how about that (laughs) but yeah it's kind of all about the the nature of fame and people's expectations of famous people and wanting to be able to mold them into the version of them they want them to be and yeah just a um Mm. A cautionary tale about the yeah, danger of fame. Absolutely. <laughs> My goodness. And, you know, let's all let's all give celebrities their space yeah. and respect, let's some, respect some their homes their boundaries and, and not go into them unless invited. No baths. If you're invited, that's fine. But you can't go take a bath uninvited in a celebrity's home. You can't do it. You can't go take a bath uninvited in anybody's home. But no, that's a great point. Yeah. I would say that that rule applies 
everywhere. I would agree. But wow. Yeah, it was it was very good. And this was this director's first movie. What have they done since? I believe he has since died, but this was 97. And so, yeah, he died in 2010. Hmm. The only other movie in here that I've heard of is called Paprika. I have heard of that. And I'll probably watch it because, yeah, I was a big fan of this of this movie. But cool. Like I said, it's not going to change probably your feelings on anime or make anime seem rather more approachable. More watchable for me, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I enjoyed hearing about it. Good, 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 good. And yeah, I mean, I highly recommend this movie. This is a great movie. How long is it? 80 minutes. Oh my God, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. It's on Shudder. Shutter.com, 80-minute movie? My God, what have you... Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you Unless you're me, in which case, I know why. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But okay, yeah, that was Perfect Blue. And... No voices. No. Can't do... Can't do a Japanese voice. That's not okay. No, we we will not be doing that. We will not be doing that. So I maybe will sing uh, an outro. Please sing to the tune of one of Cham's greatest hits. Amazing. Which goes do 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 do. That was bad, but I liked it. <laughs> From all of us here, us here at Too Scary to Watch. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Goodbye, goodbye. I don't know what that goodbye. I liked the two us here's. I was not expecting that, and that was really fun. Very well, it felt musical. like it fit the tune. Yeah, it yeah. Felt like it fit the tune. It called for it. Goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really want to make our day, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want even more content, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. We will be back next week with a regular episode. We love you a lot. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.